0: All right, welcome back to the Act Two Podcast, a podcast for the real life working screenwriter. I'm Tasha Hugh.
1: And I am Josh Hallman.
0: And thank (laughs) you to those of you who are rating and leaving comments. It really helps out and it's really great to hear your feedback. Like Maddie Schwartz, who said that this podcast has been her favorite resource. As she begins her career as a screenwriter, because every episode is crammed with information about screenwriting from the business side, like race and general etiquette, to the creative like j- genre and methodology. And she said, I love it. And thank you, Maddie, because we really try hard to balance both of those things and try to be really realistic with Things like rates, general etiquette, stuff that we have to face every day. And that is always a huge question mark for even us as yeah. we move into like any new project, as well as like the creative stuff, which is all the, the juicy stuff we love to talk about, too. So thank you for saying that and commenting. And thank you for listening.
1: Yeah. Maddie's actually a very close friend of mine. I asked her to say that. That's you not did true. Not. That's not true. I have no she idea. Loves it all. I don't know who Maddie is, but I love her and I thank oh, you for no, the it comment. That
0: would break my heart if like all of our comments are like from just Josh's secret best friends. Maddie,
1: Maddie Schwartz is my mother's name. Yeah, exactly. No, no, no. No, um, no but that's great. I love a good comment in the <laughs> podcast. Any, anything positive. If it's negative, we'll ignore it. and Act like it never happened.
0: Well, that's a big reason why we do things like this week in writing, which we're going to do today as well, because a lot of everyday things that happen in our careers come up, of course, in a given week, and we get to talk about them in depth like that. So yeah. today we're doing this week's in writing again.
1: Yeah, it's great. We've had a lot to talk about, and I feel like there's some, some topics that we've talked about this week, and yeah, we need to discuss and lay we need into to
0: discuss. it. Discuss. Yeah, I got a lot to talk about.
1: Before we dive in, can I just tell you a quick story? Yeah, I was at the Creative Arts Emmys this past weekend. Yes, you were. Obviously, I'm 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 feeling it a little bit today. You know, it's carried <laughs> over. I've had I've had a la- I've had a a long last couple of days, and mm-hmm. um, and my wife lost. She was nominated, but she lost, and that's okay. I just uh, wanted to say that I'm she's bit-
0: so awesome. She should have won.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But anyway, here's my point. I was at the Emmys and I was looking around. Sorry,
0: is it old hat for for Nicole at this point? I feel like she is always nominated for an Emmy.
1: It's never old hat. It's always brand new hat.
0: (laughs) I love that. I love hearing that.
1: (laughs) So people were giving their speeches. I was meeting a few people and everyone was very unique in their own way. And so something that I just love about Hollywood and I love about like storytelling and I love about the industry as, you know, there's obviously a lot of faults, but something that I really like is how unique everybody is. And like everyone tries so hard in their departments, like the sound department, the art department, and these things make up movies and shows. And I just freaking love it because everyone's so passionate and everyone's so freaking quirky and weird, but that's what's necessary in the industry. And I, I just walked away very appreciative of a lot of different people and, 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 and I just love it. And that's what I love about our industry. And I love about like, even like when it comes to screenwriting, when people get just passionate talking about certain things, I'm like, I'm in passion goes a long way.
0: Yeah. I know it's, it's what's so cool. It's so collaborative. There's so many people required to make a movie or show successful or even just to make it to like yeah. get it done and everyone is so talented in each of those tiny fields along the way that make up the whole it's yeah. it's really cool it's cool you got to see that
1: yeah i could have told that story without dropping the emmys but i fucking no, went there there's no, no. <laughs> there's no going back there's no go going back
0: did you go to an emmy party yeah how was yeah. it did you get any gifts
1: um no but it was fun. Yeah, we went there, and then uh, yeah, we had a great time. It was it was good.
0: <laughs> that's it. That's your Emmy story.
1: Yeah, it's in the vault. Did you run I into had,
0: anyone famous?
1: There's people walking around. I'll tell you who I got most excited about seeing. Yeah. Johnny Lawrence and Daniel's son, Ralph Macchio. Yeah, and,
0: um, that's awesome.
1: And Johnny Lawrence, I I I got I was like oh, and I actually. Went out of my way to say, I'm totally going to ask them for a picture. And then I kind of got talked off that ledge and I didn't do it.
0: Oh, that's so sad. I know. Imagine that picture. Oh. Imagine it. I, it's so awesome <laughs> in my brain.
1: I did imagine it in the moment. I was like, <laughs> I, you know, if you like, think, I'm like, how am I going to take this picture? What the fuck am I going to do? Are we going to do some like Cobra Kai poses here?
0: <laughs> yes.
1: And then the picture never happened. So it's just going to be a snapshot in my brain.
0: God damn it. Anyway. Oh,
1: last thing I'll say. And I messaged you this. I had a vision, Tasha. Yeah. I know absolutely nothing about Tomb Raider. I want to be very clear about that. (laughs) Yeah. But I think you're going to win an Emmy for Tomb Raider.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Don't say that now.
1: It's put out there. It's put out into the universe. Let's move on. I'm just telling you, just remember this podcast.
0: My just heart remember rate just it. Went just up by a lot.
1: no. Just trust me on this. I felt it. I was sitting there. I saw some other animated things, and I was like, you know what? To be very clear, although I don't know anything about Tomb Raider, <laughs> I just know about you, and I know that you are going. I just, I know it's going to be great. I know it. That's all. I <sighs> just all right, move on.
0: I just wish. I just wish you didn't say that. <laughs> okay, moving on. <laughs> Something that Josh and I have been talking a lot about lately is uniqueness mm-hmm. in scripts. Are you ready to talk about this? I feel like we have a lot to say. I'm ready. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> okay. We talked about this last week. This is, this is how much we've been talking about it, that it's coming up again. Because I, if you remember from last week, I was talking to my manager about um, scripts that she was reading. And she was finding that a lot of them were not unique And I was like, well, explain this to me because the log lines you keep telling me about sound unique. So why isn't the read of it unique? And she couldn't really put her finger on it. So she came over last week and I was like, we're (laughs) talking about uniqueness. (laughs) Talk to me and articulate it better. What is the lesson that I have to learn from your reading experiences that are just generic is basically what I, what I proposed her. So I wouldn't let her leave until she finished talking about it. And what she kind of narrowed it down to was the scripts are competent right they're they're well-written scripts so no one is going to fault them for that no one is going to pass on it for that in fact like these scripts may actually get made someday but it's missing that kind of it factor that pushes it over the edge to be unique and i think it's because the question you ask of the script is could just anyone who is a competent writer write this script mm. or is this something that only you could write And what does that mean? And so, like, I started thinking about, like, a mother-daughter action story, just as an example. Like, it could be anything, that movie, right? Mother-daughter action movie. It could be a mother teaching her daughter how to be a spy. It could be a bit more surface level, and it's where it's kind of more fun, where you have the daughter kind of pushing back against mom's old-school ways of being an action hero, and daughter is coming up with new cool ways of how to be, like, a really good spy. Mm-hmm. That's not bad. That's actually kind of fun. But what is, what is going to make my mother-daughter action movie different from yours? Josh, and I think we have different mothers, right? Mm -hmm. Like, we have different experiences. You grew up with a mother in Wisconsin. I grew up with a mom in Orange County. Our mothers are different people. So if we both had the same premise of a mother-daughter action movie, where maybe, like, even get more specific, mother-daughter action movie where they are estranged and they have to pair up to save the United Nations from a terrorist, okay? That's the plot of this movie the movie you would write would be hopefully very different from the one I would write, right? Because we have tapped into our personal experiences about being raised by very different mothers. And this is where when people say, write what you know, this is what they actually mean. It doesn't mean only write about the things you you know about. I write in a fantasy and I have never been to Hyrcania. (laughs) I've never worn chainmail bikinis. But when I write Red Sonia. (laughs) I tap into my own feelings of like being told I wasn't good enough, of being Mm -hmm. told I didn't have what it takes, of being underestimated. And I use those feelings to bring to life this hero who defeats the odds against her. Now, any number of people could have come to that story and seen a different story to tell and, you know, hammered in something different to make it their own. That just happened to be the story that I really responded to. So, yes, you can write a very competent story about a mother and daughter action hero duo but is there specificity to those characters and for me when I first started writing specificity meant she has a Texas accent and she always wears a pink handkerchief but like those are cosmetic specificities right like we're talking about specificity to the things they believe in like if your mother spy walks into a gas station mart and the guy at the counter is rude to her, how is she going to act? Mm -hmm. And is it going to be very different from how the daughter acts? And I think if I've done my job right, and I've added enough specificity to my characters, they are going to act very different than Josh's mom and daughter spy in that same scenario, which is honestly like a really cool exercise that I feel like we should do at some point. It's just like, here is an actual scenario, same two characters, Mm -hmm. but tap into your experience and how is that scene going to be totally different than someone else's?
1: Yeah. You know it's crazy is while you were saying that I feel like you can look at scenes like that and build out a character just by asking yourself, okay, using my mom and uh, daughter spy movie and using my mom as an example, I'd be like, okay, well, what would my mom do in a scenario where we're in, we're in the scenario you just explained? How would I want that scene to go? And then you can kind of work backwards from that and build out the character and yeah. uh, more character moments. Yeah, that's cool.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. And I think too, like, like just as you were talking, and the way that I think about story is, oftentimes I'll just think about the ending because yeah. that's the cool thing that comes to my mind. And if that's the case, and I'm starting with an ending, then I'm going to put my specific character in that, my specific mother character, my mother spy, and how would my mother spy handle that ending? It's going to be very different if I plug in another character. Mm -hmm. I just saw Buzz Lightyear recently. If I plug in Buzz Lightyear to that end movie scenario, he's going to act very differently than my mother spy. So like, that's interesting. So then how do I build my movie so that my mother spy gets to that ending? Yeah. In this way that I really want her to like learn something special or to, to react the way that I'm seeing it in my head. So that's a place where you're starting it from character. And I think that was another thing that we started talking about in this conversation about uniqueness is where is your motivation to write this movie coming from? Because we talked to a lot of writers who are just like, it's really hot right now to, to write a movie with a female action hero. So I'm going to write a movie with a female action hero. Like, OK, that's valid in some ways because we all need to pay our rent. And yeah. selling something is obviously a priority and a goal of ours. But if that's the entire reason you're writing a movie, then it's almost guaranteed to be a generic movie because you're only going to hit generic beats because you're only thinking generically about a female-driven action story. So, and again, that's fine. Like, those movies get made all the time. And if that's all that you want and need, then go for it. But we're talking specifically about uniqueness in a script, which I think sets you apart. And it's like, Oh, that's a Josh Hallman script. That's a Tasha Hughes script. Like having that as your career feels like that's ultimately more valuable and potentially like allows for you to have a longer lasting career than if you're yeah. someone who simply writes like just generic scripts all the time.
1: Yeah. I, well, two things. One, I am very, you know, I love like movies with like hooks and high concept and big plot heavy things. Um, And I'd always gravitated towards movies like, oh, Jurassic Park. Oh, Back to the Future. Like, these things where on the surface. You're like, wow, that's a fucking cool concept. But then it did take a minute where, you know, you start looking at these movies and you're like, okay, a movie like Jaws. And this I think I'm taking this from J.J. Abrams. But there's very human moments within Jaws which are very character-related. And you start to, like, the plot only works because you start caring about the characters. You only care about Back to the Future because of what Marty's doing to his parents and what Marty's, you know, Marty's yeah. journey. And that's all to say is I'm just agreeing with everything you said, basically. just Yeah. It ta- you really have to look at characters and where your own little, like, avenue is when dealing with characters and relationships. My second thing I was going to say is I was in a meeting recently
0: mm-hmm.
1: and someone had asked me, uh, like, where do you get your inspiration? Where do your ideas come from? This and that. And you and I had just had this conversation about uniqueness, and I mm-hmm. just freaking quadrupled down on <laughs> uniqueness. And I was like, well, I think about my life, and I think about my relationships I have in my life. And in particular, I used my relationship with my father. And I was like, all of my characters, like I, I, I always think about like my personal relationships. And in this one script, there was like a father-son aspect to it. And I was So I started to go into this was my relationship with my dad. Most of my characters have some kind of element of this relationship across the board. Like if you were to break down all of my characters, there's probably this like same kind of issue with everyone, whether or not it's the primary issue, it's always an issue. And we started to really talk about that. And I was like, that's how you can kind of identify certain things that I write. Let's just say it really hit home. It was the right answer. It was the right thing she to was say. She like, you
0: are hired.
1: I was like, yes. But it's so true. That's the uniqueness of any script is, and sometimes you don't even see it. Like the trick is, I think a lot of yeah, times it's 100%. so subtle and it's just in there. It's in the DNA of a character. And a lot of times a character can have a father issue, but it's about the, you know, the character and his mother, you know, something yeah. to that extent. So
0: yeah it's true it's it's so interesting when i also discovered that there was a common thread between everything because i always struggled with that question and i knew that in generals in particular i needed to present an answer to like what do you like to write about because my answer was always like i like to write about everything mm-hmm. i like fantasy i like sci-fi I like adventure i like action uh, and that's not an answer that people can do anything with right like if i'm trying to hire you josh Something or like think of you for if we have an open writing assignment next week, what am I going to think of Josh for? And your answer is, I write everything adventure, action. I'm like, okay, this is an action movie, but how is he going to be more interesting of a choice to hire than someone else? Yeah. And now that she knows that you love father son stories, she knows you're going to bring a certain character depth that another writer might not. And I realized for me that I tend to really respond to characters and really. Get drawn to writing heroes who, when you meet them, are completely down and out. And through the course of the movie, where you're just throwing shit at them and obstacles at them, they learn that they have the strength to overcome these things Mm -hmm. and become heroes in the end. So, like, that arc has always been really interesting to me um, and is infused in sort of all the stories I tell. But something you said that hit on something that I think is important here is also like the high concept things like Back to the Future and Jaws. You can have those ideas all day long and that's totally fine if that's your starting place. But the second question does have to be, why do I wanna tell this story? Yeah. What about this do I care about? What do I believe in? What do I wanna say with this? What do I wanna say about a certain relationship and how does the movie Jaws or my concept Jaws bring out the relationship that I want to tell. Um, and if you those are kind of your second, third, and fourth questions and you're, you're hitting at it from a character standpoint, it's totally fine to start with a crazy high concept, even kind of like generic thing, as long as those are uh, the building blocks with which you're using to tell that story in the end.
1: Totally. It feels like most things are generic if you really like start yeah. peeling things back. Like everything's been told one way or another, you know, it's like, A dinosaur can only escape a park so many times and kill so many people like anyone can do that that's that's a cool concept whatever it's generic but like yeah how do you start making those relationships unique so it makes the story feel unique
0: it's been interesting there's there's it reminds me of a conversation we've been having in our writer's room about two particular characters and the writers in the room have been really pushing to have there be like conflict between these two characters because of course, in all drama, you need conflict. So their Mm -hmm. instinct is right. You need conflict, you need conflict. But the thing about these characters that makes them so unique is that they believe in each other no matter what and love each other no matter what. So like, they're never gonna really fight Mm. because like in some ways their flaw is that they believe in each other no matter what. Even when someone does something wrong, they still believe in each other. And that can spiral into obstacles, like that's what makes them so unique. So it was interesting to have to like pivot that conversation of like, we need a generic obstacle here. Let's have them argue. It's like, actually, can we pivot so that it's leaning more towards character so that the obstacle they're having is actually rooted in who they are individually and what makes them unique. So I think that's also part of this whole equation is you need drama. You need generic stories. We, we need the three-act structure, all of that. But like, how do you make your characters act so unique within that that it can only have been written by you? Yeah. It's hard. It's hard.
1: <clears throat> it's hard, but when you can pull it off, it's amazing.
0: It is amazing. That's, 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 that's uniqueness. That's, that's voice. That's all the things.
1: Yeah. I love it. Okay. Uniqueness is probably the most important thing in, for scripts, it seems like yeah obviously in their story and you know dialogue and all that stuff but
0: (laughs) (laughs) there's so many parts it's all hard (laughs) there's that other shit you know
1: know, twists and turns and whatever but that's uniqueness
0: all right what's your next one
1: are you familiar with don't worry darling i am it's kind of like everywhere right now in the world
0: yeah and have
1: you read the script yeah did you like the script
0: Yes, but had issues with it.
1: Oh really? Sure. I remember, Yeah, I th- I might have. I can't really remember, but I, I I feel like my general takeaway was that I really really liked the script, like yeah, a lot. Good. And I'm not sure what happened along the way here, but because it's written by the Van Dyke brothers, yeah, I believe. I don't even think they're credited for this movie. Like I I feel no, like no, they're credited. Been, oh really? But
0: there's there's but Olivia Wilde and I forget the other woman's name is also credited for doing a rewrite.
1: Okay. My point being is there's a lot of weird stuff going on with this movie. And I just want to say that the script is freaking awesome. So I don't know what's going to happen, but I I just, I love that script. And I remember reading that and having that feeling of like, this is a really, really fucking awesome concept. And there's some really fucking awesome characters in it. And it felt very, very unique, which is probably why it's a movie now. So if, if anyone can get their hands on that script and, and, read it because I think it's really great. And I think something, I don't know, I, I haven't seen the movie, but it just seems like something happened along the way. It does, the The
0: trailers look very different than the movie script, the yeah. original spec that, that sold. So if any any of you, by the way, want it, I do have it. You can reach out to us at act2writers at gmail.com yeah. and I can send it to you. Um, it is a really great read, it's really interesting. Uh, you can see why someone would want to make it immediately. But you can also see why someone would want to change it, I think, and even add a little bit more specificity to some of the stuff. But yeah, it's great, and it is—it is—we, it's a really great example of just like the craziness of our business. Yeah. To see the trailer after seeing the script and being like, "Oh, it's a completely different movie." Completely
1: <laughs> different movie, and something's going on with this movie where it's—it's it's hitting some kind of zeitgeist. Like it's—it's it's yeah. hitting a weird moment where it's all over social media, probably because of the stars who are in it and be they like the biggest stars yeah. currently. But yeah, something's up with it. I, I just highly recommend this script because I loved I loved the script. I'm sure at the time I had some notes on it, but that wasn't much of a This Week in Writing. It was just I, that, that ties into having a very unique concept script and everything. I, I, I just, that's it. That was yeah. my next one.
0: Yeah, I think it's a great example of uniqueness. Definitely read it, you guys, if you get a chance. Okay, speaking of uniqueness, again. Boom.
1: What a theme, the theme of this episode.
0: <laughs> so I... Texted you the other day that like I had a breakthrough with one of my spec ideas.
1: Mm, yes. called
0: Temporarily called Death Spell, which Josh hates.
1: <laughs> I, I don't hate it. What are you talking about? I love the title.
0: <laughs> um, I've had so many problems with this script. It started as a, just a concept. I really liked the idea of it, which is, again, basically about this girl who discovers her own power. But it's like magic power. So it's just kind of that's sort of the metaphor of it.
1: I, I'm just like half expecting you to just start pitching this script right now. I want like, you you're so already badly. way I want way further so than badly. I thought you'd go. But but <laughs> <I'm> like <laughs> pull oh pull it back, pull it back. Uh, yeah. <laughs>
0: um but I thought I, I just could never figure out the story. And I've always hated the plot that I put my character through. And my character It was like so precious to me that was the the kernel of the idea from the get-go is this this girl and i just hated the story i put her in and i'm like i'm so sorry this is not the story you deserve and i can never figure out the right story i knew kind of the the basic turning points and emotional sort of signposts i wanted for the movie but the story i chose for it was so boring Mm. like it's so boring (laughs) so dumb and then i like Randomly, after uh, a drink called The Hemingway, <laughs> um, I, I asked Paul, my fiance, I was like, can you just help me with this story? I've been thinking about it lately, and I hate what I've done with it, and maybe you'll have interesting new ideas. And he fucking broke it for me. Like, he started asking amazing questions, and it started getting personal, and I started feeling emotional about the story we were starting to talk about. Wow. And I started seeing how I could start pulling in um, – real life examples from my own life yeah. into this story. Whereas before I was so separate from it. It was, I could I didn't experience in my own life anything that the characters had gone through in my previous version. But now um, that's a lot of stuff that's from like my own childhood, my own relationships are getting pulled into the story. So now not only do I feel like I can write it well but like I have it all plotted out and I'm excited to get into it again because of the uniqueness aspect the other version was generic and this version has some Tasha in it.
1: Do you remember like where this all started from this idea? Yes. It was a it was a picture.
0: Wait what?
1: Do you remember how this all started? I I don't you and I exchanged a picture of a rough-looking Daniel Radcliffe walking down the street (gasps) with, like, guns. And that's... And I have always loved this story because of that.
0: I totally had forgotten that.
1: I would love to hear your version where it started in your head.
0: (laughs) You're like, I was walking Um, down the beach. (laughs) Also, (laughs) Shit. My memory is notoriously bad. No, I totally remember that now.
1: Little Harry Potter, all grown up. All fucked up.
0: You know, I like fucked up magic stuff.
1: Yeah, I know. That's why it has (laughs) to happen. That's my brand. (laughs) So I feel like there's a takeaway from the story you just told. I wonder what the questions were that that Paul had asked you. There'd be a great... I wish we could get like the proper questions to crack open spec ideas. Mm. Like like if there was like some kind of uh, equation here. Yeah. Like if there's like a 10 question process. And then after that, you walk away with your new idea all figured out.
0: Well, I think well it was very kind of writer's roomy if I recall and again, my memory is terrible and I had already had a drink. But if I recall, I was like, Here, Paul, it's a sto- it's a it's a brother sister story. And I yeah, don't have yeah, a, yeah. I have two half brothers, but we didn't grow up together. So there's like nothing I can particularly draw to tell this story. And I was like, I don't know if it's right. Like, should I should I make it a, a sister story? So it's another girl. Like, I also don't have a sister, so I don't know why I said that. I was like, yeah. I'm just really struggling with this brother sister story because in in my current generic version they're little kids when they meet. And I feel like I really understand that story. And they get really close. They're, one's an orphan, one's not. But they become really close. And then cut to they're adults now. Mm-hmm. And the cutting to adults was to address a note I got from my manager, which is you can't write a story about teenagers. Yeah. Because, like a rated R movie about teenagers or with teenagers in it because that becomes confusing. Because who is that for? If it's a yeah. teenage lead and adults are going to watch it, how are they going to like see themselves in that character because teenagers can't go see that movie technically so mm-hmm. it was addressing that note which i hated but i was like all right i'll try a version where i cut to adults and then the adult brother got kidnapped and i'm like i don't know why he gets kidnapped i don't why does an adult dude get kidnapped i don't is he into drugs i don't care that's not a yeah. story that i'm interested in yeah, yeah, and yeah. then off of that paul started asking questions or like saying stuff that like Would be interesting if the brother-sister felt this way about each other. Mm. And like, what are the emotions around like the brother-sister so that when a brother does go missing, you now suddenly like feel real emotion. Like, how do you get to that point? So he just started asking questions around that. And then um, we started figuring out what that relationship could look like.
1: I love it. I'm glad Paul asked you the right questions because I remember when this would come up in writer's group or something like that. You would talk about it. And I, and, I, and I loved the concept of it, going back to just me mm-hmm. really loving concepts and being like, I don't know, Tasha, this is the concept. It's so fucking easy. What is the problem here? And you'd be like, I can't I figure know. out the characters. Like, it's the concept. I'd get so upset.
0: I know. Me too.
1: Yeah. It's a great idea.
0: Hopefully it's right now. Hopefully it's good. I, pi- I pitched the whole thing to you because I was like so excited. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're in a perfect place with it. I, this is the most excited you've been over a, a new idea in a long time.
0: I know. Yeah. Maybe I'll actually finish a spec this year like we said we would at the beginning of all of this year. Mm -hmm.
1: Still happening. Still time.
0: (sighs) Okay. All right. Do you have another one?
1: No, it's all you now. Okay.
0: (laughs) All right. (laughs) We had a really great question from one of our listeners, Daniel. And Daniel said that he has this spreadsheet, which I'm sure a lot of us can relate to, with close to a hundred concepts and ideas. And he feels like he will never get them done in his lifetime, but he wants to try. Yeah, And I 100% respect that. I empathize with that, Daniel, same. So Daniel asks, like, what does it look like to work on multiple projects? What part of the process are each of those projects in at any given time? Are you quote unquote writing all of them or yeah. are they in the outlining phase sometimes? And then also how do you allocate Your time between these projects, which are so many great questions, built into that, and I think let's kind of start from the beginning because we both work on multiple things at the same time. So I'd be curious what your process is too. But what does it look like to work on multiple projects?
1: Well, first of all, one hundred ideas, Daniel. Fucking wow, that's (laughs) that's very impressive. Yeah, we've talked about this before, but. Obviously if there's in Daniel's case it sounds like these are all just like you know specs and and just general ideas if you have a job that that's takes primary focus and if you're getting paid to write something that's like at the top of the pack but what I do is I just allocate hours to a certain like project if I'm working on four different things I'll kind of uh, write out a tier of the things that I'm working on and which one's the most important to me which one I need to get submitted which one maybe has the most momentum behind it which one i'm the most excited about those things all kind of go into account and then i'll wake up early write on some work on something for a few hours take a break then maybe work on something else for a couple hours take a break sometimes i'm just brainstorming things and that's often you know you know where you're just kind of like the blue sky phase or just where you're just kind of walking around thinking of ideas and new ideas or how you can make something unique how you can make something different so I'm getting a little off course, but in Daniel's case I'd probably pick like four, maybe three or four of his ideas that he's most uh passionate about and ones that he feels most excited about, starting with those and figuring out what he likes about them and then yeah. just prioritizing.
0: Yeah, I think that's great. By the way, sometimes I find that some of my ideas can be combined. Like, Mm -hmm. if you feel like you really genuinely can't get to all of them in your lifetime, but you, like, really feel passionate, say, about a character that's in your sci-fi story set on Mars, maybe that character can be just as cool in another world that you're also really passionate about with another character you're really passionate about. Um, Just so you can kind of get to them. (laughs) I feel like sometimes I will do that. But, yeah, it's hard. Like, I'm currently working on six... And the producer for two of those projects just told me this week, yesterday, she just told me, I don't know how to tell you this, but I'm (laughs) concerned with your work lately, basically, that it's not the same quality that they were expecting of me and that they can feel that I'm stretched too thin. And that really hurt because... I am really, I know, I'm really trying to coordinate my schedule so that whenever I am working on something, I am wholly in that project, that my brain is just dedicated to that project. But six projects that are in six completely different worlds with completely different characters that you have to live and breathe in order to write well, while also having a family and friends and errands you have to do, it's very, very hard. But yeah. My schedule looks similar to Josh's where I wake up in the morning, get my coffee. I sit down to write. Uh, My mind is freshest in the morning. That's just me. So I work on the things that require the most brain work in the morning so like if there's a problem i'm trying to figure out in a script or there are a lot of notes i'm addressing on something or if it's a brand new script and i have to fill up blank pages with actual stuff those are the things that require the most brain work for me so i'm going to work on those things when i'm the freshest and then agree like around lunchtime i eat so my brain has fuel (laughs) and then i try to make sure i step away from my computer while i eat Uh, I don't always manage that when I'm super stressed out, but breaks are really good for your brain. I know Josh is really good at taking a walk. Some people work out, but like going around the neighborhood for a walk is a really great trick to kind of give your brain a break from that project because basically you have to let your brain wind down from one project so that you're not in that world anymore. And I think that's the hard part about writing is you have to transport yourself so completely to a different place that you do need time to wind down and like build that into your schedule, build breaks into your schedule so that you can empty your brain and start fresh with a different world. Yeah. But it doesn't always work that way. Like I have a pilot due for this show I'm doing and the pilot is the biggest episode you can write, right? It's going to determine whether the network greenlights lights the show or not. <laughs> um, so writing this pilot this last week was really had to be my top priority. And that's hard when I have two revisions on two other projects that are also due within the next couple of weeks. And those those projects also require a lot of dedicated brain space. So like I really just kind of had to schedule myself. I was like, OK, I need this to be done by Sunday. So how do I schedule my life so that I can deliver it properly on Sunday. If I have friends coming over, okay, fine. I don't want to reschedule on them because you do want to also live your life, right? So maybe wake up a little earlier that day when you have friends coming over so you can write more in the morning before they get there. Give yourself deadlines. I think that's really important when you have a lot of stuff on your plate is know when each thing should be due. And if you don't have someone telling you that, make it up yourself. And don't be too hard on yourself. That's always a a thing that I do where I'm like, I'm going to get this spec done in a week. And then the week hits and you haven't finished it. And now you're mad at yourself. And then it creates this spiral of like, I can't do anything. So give yourself a reasonable deadline, maybe even a few days more than you think you're going to need. Because if you hit that deadline early, that's like, that encourages you, right? It doesn't make you depressed. So that's another trick that I use. Um, Because if you say like, hey, I need to finish my pilot by Sunday, when you get to Thursday of that week, You know your script is due Sunday, okay, I'm not there yet. I need to make some time in the morning or I need to make some time at night or at lunch to work on this script. So deadlines are really helpful. But Daniel asked a really great question, which I think is super key, which is what part of the process are these projects in and are Mm. you writing all of them at once? Because I think the answer for both of us is usually your projects are in different stages. Right? Oh
1: yeah, 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 for sure. Like
0: you're an outline phase on one or you're just brainstorming another one. You and I have talked about how you do this really great thing, which I think about all the time that I should do, that when you get a notes document back, you break it into big notes, medium notes and small notes. So Mm. that like, let's say all day you've been working on your spec, your original spec. And then you take a lunch break, you go for a walk. The second half of the day, you don't have enough brain space to do something big. So you have this notes document you know you have to address to revise your script so i'm going to start with the small notes or maybe Mm -hmm. the medium notes if i if i have that much brain space so i'm still getting work done and i'm still progressing but i'm giving myself my best chance right like i'm not working on the big notes when my brain is tired because i'm not going to come up with the best solutions there and that's just going to frustrate me so it's it's knowing your abilities knowing and accepting that it's okay that your brain needs a break as well right that's a big part of our job
1: yeah, I, I feel like being realistic as well about your goals and what you can do in a day is is key because a lot of times, I do this all the time, I'm like, I'm going to write like 50 pages in the next hour. You just have to be realistic and taking walks for me is so important, stepping away from the computer. Some I used to stop writing something and when I was like switching over, I would watch like a YouTube video to like take my mind off of things and I thought that was helping but then... I realized it was actually just making me continue to think about some other bullshit that I didn't need mm-hmm. in my life. So yeah. you forget about it. At the end of the day, when you do a lot of things, you're just like exhausted. It's like you just ran a marathon. And it's because you're exerting all this mental energy on certain things. It's hard to do. So just, just be realistic. Set little micro goals. And in Daniel's case, again, I'd pick, I'd pick like two or th- two. Just start with two of your best idea, your, your uh, ideas you're most passionate about and go from there.
0: Yeah. Usually, too, if, say, I have a script I'm writing, I have a script I'm outlining, and then I have a script I'm brainstorming. Three is really, yeah. three is the sweet spot for me. me and too. in And in those, and in that order, like, maybe instead of outlining, it's revising, but it's something, like, that's sort of the middle. Writing a script from scratch is the hardest part you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Revising something or outlining is sort of middle work, and then any brainstorming is going to be easy like i can do that on the couch when a baseball game is going on in the background right like i can brainstorm so that's the and that's kind of how you can structure your day like if your brain is the best in the morning work on the hardest thing middle of the day work on the middle thing end of the day when you're winding down with your significant other after dinner or whatever just do a little brainstorming and you're making slow progress uh every day and it's such an important question because Screenwriting is like as a career is so much about juggling multiple projects as it is being able to write and execute them well, because the reality is to make a living off of screenwriting, you can't just do one thing. And as an example, I have three writers in my writer's room right now who are all professional writers. They've been working in TV a very long time, longer than I have, and they are working for me full time but they are also talking about, in the room, all the original pilots they're writing in their spare time. I say all. They're, e- they're each at least writing one original mm-hmm. pilot, if not more. They're also talking about pitches they're going on. They go on generals all the time. Like before the room starts, they'll go on a general, or they're writing outlines or they're revising something because they got notes back on something because they're producing, you know, they're developing something with a producer somewhere else or they're trying to get book rights to something to adapt. So as a professional writer, you really see that you do have to constantly be hustling even when you are successfully paying your bills as a screenwriter and learning that ability now and understanding that juggling is part of your job as a screenwriter and uh, being able to like hone that skill, I think will really serve serve you well throughout your career. I agree. I'm so tired just even thinking about that. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. <laughs> like, whatever you talk about, oh, I've been writing today, I'm always like, well, on which thing? <laughs> Josh? <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, and I, I will just say, everything that you just said is I, I completely agree with, but for me personally, like, my joy comes from specs and original ideas. Like, mm-hmm. that's where I always get so fucking... Excited, so I'm. I I know I will always, no matter what, I will always be working on original ideas. Like there will Mm -hmm. not, and so I think you I think people should always be doing that. In my opinion, always. It's the best.
0: I haven't done it in so long.
1: You're doing it right. You just did it. You basically pitched a movie today.
0: That spell (laughs) coming to you next year.
1: (laughs) Title pending. Title Title different. That's it. That's all that's I got. It.
0: That's it. Um, if anyone has additional questions about juggling multiple projects or specifics that we maybe glossed over or any new questions that it raised, please let us know. We're happy to talk about them because we are in it ourselves and it's actually helpful to us as well to talk about them because it's like writer therapy. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, that's it. That, those are my weeks, this week's in writings.
1: It's a big one. I just feel like we really laid into uniqueness today, which is yeah. so important. Good reminder. I, know. I love it. Yeah. Be unique.
0: Okay. Quote on. of the day.
1: Quote of the day. Let's go.
0: <laughs> First, say to yourself what you would be, and then do what you have to do. Epictetus, philosopher. Hmm. Please remember to rate and subscribe. Follow us at Act Two Writers for more awesome writing stuff. You can follow me, Tasha, at Story Thursday on Instagram or on Twitter at Tasha3.0. I
1: am Joshua Holman on Twitter, Josh Holman on Instagram.
0: And as always, the Act Two Podcast is a production of Act Two, a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter. This episode was edited by Paul Lundquist, music by 414Bag, which you can find on Spotify.